This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, these are some of my most like fun interviews to do. People who do similar things, but have, you know, they specialize just in a few other things that we may or may not do, but she's local here in South Florida, Palm Beach County, but can be worldwide if you have the budget. And I have Miss Michelle Brown from Kalaya Communications. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes, and I'll give the backstory. I saw you, you know, um, being very vocal on, I think it was the, it was like a Black Chamber event online, Zoom, or, you know, something in Palm Beach. And I said, oh, man, I'm not the only one. And I have the, like, list of vendors of all of us, right? But I'm not on there yet because I'm new. So I was like, let me reach out and get to know my community when you can't go out to like the Chamber of Commerce or Club Corps and touch anybody. We can do it like this. So thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Yes. And now what I'm going to do is try to go deep because what you do, people, you can go to her website, see the link. She's going to give you some brief introduction. But I really like to know from people like yourself, what do you love doing? What do you specialize in? What do you get excited about when you get a, a project? You're like, yes, I don't have to do anything but this. <laughs> um, my heart and soul is in the nonprofit community. Uh, I spent a lot of the first part of my career working for corporate. And when I came out of corporate, I wanted to do something good. So with my, with my skills, with my talent, with my career. So when I get really excited, it's when it's a project that's going to benefit not only um, people who are struggling to achieve, you know, either in the areas of education or, you know, business development. You did meet me in a chamber workshop and I support the uh, city of West Palm Beach with their efforts to recruit more black and brown and women owned businesses to do business with the city. But my favorite client is my uh, cultural heritage museum in Delray Beach, the Spady Cultural Heritage Museum. I've been doing their PR for years. And I love when I can be a part of a project that brings our people together and helps us celebrate us and educates our children. So those are the kind of projects that, that get me excited. They get me really excited about being able to um, help, our, help our community. And, and that's good because those aren't usually the highest paying um, things in that, that realm. You know, it depends on what the RFP uh, looks like sometimes, um, which really means, you know, how the RFQ and all those things were addressed. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's that, no, that, that's great that you like to, um, and that means two things that you guys, she's either going for sainthood or, she is already, you know, rich and wealthy and money doesn't really mean anything to her. So <laughs> keep that in mind when you reach out to her and say, hey, I need this, you know, copywritten. I need this because that's what, you know, a lot of what you seem to do is writing and technical writing and copywriting. And she can do everything in communication to get your business right. But that's that's great. Now, do you get to, you know, focus on that? or is more of your stuff coming, you know, corporate? Uh, it's a mix. I've been in business for, it'll be 20 years in October. And I started off, my first client was the school district of Palm Beach County. Uh, I oversaw their internal communications program, which means I did their, I produced their employee newsletter for the school district. So, you know, it's a mix. I do stuff for municipalities, nonprofits, and I also do a little bit of work with, with corporate. Um, I do uh, do some um, internal corporate communications support for CBRE, which is uh, CB Ellis Real Estate. They manage companies around, properties around the world. I'm their ghostwriter. 
I write their, you know, their internal documents, their newsletters, things that go out to their employees. So I try and mix up my client rosters so I'm not wholly dependent on one sector or another. I do do my fair share of responding to solicitations through RFPs and RFQs, but Collide Communications clients are a mix of everything. It's just too dangerous to put all your eggs in one basket, that sector crashes, and then all of a sudden your, your company is struggling. So I've learned that over the years to diversify your client base, very important. Diversity, diversify, diversified game, you guys. It's, it's very important. Let's talk about that because now the buzzwords, I just, we, my family and I, we relocated from Seattle, but we've lived in various places. But in Seattle, um, you have your, you know, very liberal community and everything is diversity, diversity. But at the same time, inside the city of Seattle, they have a thing called I-200, which stops all affirmative action, which I know Jacksonville also has something like that, I've learned. And, you know, people are saying diversity, especially corporate, because they don't want to look at like racist because they haven't had any, uh, you know, in the last, you know, whatever, forever. Or they have one in every department. That's what I was the one. You've probably been the one <laughs> in, in departments. Yes. Yeah. And, and yes, look at our black friend. Um, <laughs> You know, um, but what have you been able to, you know, educate people on that? And have you found them to want the education? Because saying something is one thing and doing something is a whole different thing. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty deep question. Um, with the clients that I have right now, the way that I'm able to support diversity is um, let's, let's talk about the, the, the West Palm Beach Office of Equal Opportunity. I am their communications consultant. I submitted a proposal. I bid on an RFP. I got the job. And so now it's my job to go out and make sure that women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses know that there are special programs for them at the city of West Palm Beach through the Office of Equal Opportunity. And they do that they diversify their ranks by sometimes making other bigger non-minority firms accountable to hiring firms that, you know, that look like us, that are owned by people who look like us. That's part of their job. I promote that. Uh, I promote a living wage program to make sure that people who do construction or plumbing or road work, they get a competitive living wage to work in the city of West Palm Beach. That's what the program supports. Um, for me personally, I have been asked to sit on boards. I have been asked to chair task force. I have been asked to come to presentations so I can be that, that melanin rich face to show that they have diversity amongst their ranks, even though I'm simply the consultant. Uh, I have been asked to play that role for, for optics, so to speak. But I find that when I do that, it benefits not only the client, but myself. I'm, I'm put in front of audiences that I normally wouldn't be in front of. And sometimes being the quote unquote token can be a good thing if not just to raise awareness that there are businesses out there represented by people who look like us and I can open the door. Normally after I've been asked to you know, sit on the team or take a picture or show up for a presentation, um, I get approached and people ask me, you know, questions about my business. We didn't know about you. How long you, have you been in business? And then at that time, it's also a time for me to educate them. I'm not the only African-American owned marketing and PR firm in Palm Beach County. Um, there are ones run by Anne-Marie Anne Sorrell of Mosaic. There's one run by Sophia Nelson of Sophia Nelson and Associates. We have other black women and men, Bruce Lewis of L. LLB Limited that are doing my kind of work. And then that's my opportunity to educate people who might not be aware that there's a whole bunch of us out here doing a whole range of things that you can hire us to do. So in cases like that, I take advantage of being an ambassador for, for us and trying to, you know, just like you said, educate people, inform people. 
No, and that's and, and that's great. Can you talk about um, a few of those programs? Because I've interviewed other entrepreneurs in different fields here, and I'll tell them things like, you know, uh, and they've never heard of them, which is um, sometimes surprising of like the SBA or have you gone and talked with your local chamber? Have you talked to SCORE? Have you reached out to PTAC? But, how, you know, no, I don't know anything about those. Well, how do you go after government stuff and you're new and you don't holler at any of these people? I don't know. You're setting yourself up for failure. So any of those people who may be listening or know a friend to share it, can you name some of those special programs? Because I can, I'm a student, but I'm Val Victorian, you know, in, in, in my study. So I'm extremely nosy. So I've seen where the certified business is, and I'm an 8A firm. I, my firm is an 8A firm. So I've done you know, this for uh, about 20 years, and I've learned through the years, hitting my head. But if you can let some of the people know just some of those programs that are out there. Okay, well, in Palm Beach County, each large municipality, I mean, each large municipality and government entity has a program designed to recruit more brown, black, female and veteran business owners. Um, they don't always advertise them on a, on a large scale because advertising is expensive. So a lot of times it's word of mouth, it's people sharing, just like you learned about the, uh, the Black Chamber or the, the, the web program that was going on where we met. We share things, you know, word of mouth. It's kind of like the way we share everything. We know where the good restaurant is. We know where the good hairdresser is. We know, but that's basically how we learn about these things. Um, in Palm Beach County, over the course of my career running Collide Communications, I worked with the school district of Palm Beach County. The, the way I got in there was I knew the public information officer personally, a black man, Nat Harrington. He's since retired, but I just called him it was, and I said, I'm looking to start my business. Do you need a writer, somebody who can help with communications? He said, absolutely. He was the first one to walk me through the process. He said, put together a proposal for under this amount, under this cap, which my, my department can then approve on its own. Anything more than that has to go in front of the school district. Once the school board, once the school board gets involved, then it becomes a little bit more political and they have to put things out to bid. But if you have a contact within a municipality, call them and, and they will introduce you to the right person within that organization to tell you, this is how you get started with us, even if it's just a small contract to get your foot in the door. I did that with the school district, with a small contract, with one department for one year. And then I was, when my client was able to make a case to the school board, this is the work that we've been doing with Kaliah Communications. We want it to continue. So now we're gonna put forth a proposal for you guys to approve a year long contract with this firm. He kind of had to prove that I could do the work in order for me to do the work, if that makes any sense at all. So once I had gotten in like that, then it was easier for me to go to other municipalities because they all know each other. Inside Palm Beach County, it's the Office of Equal Business Opportunity, and it's run by a white, I mean, a black woman. Um, I'm failing her name, but it's the it's O B E O for the county. And once this, the county certification process is quite strenuous, and that's why most small firms don't want to do all that paperwork. You know, you have to run down a lot of paperwork in order to do business with the government, and that's where a lot of people get tired. But there are organizations that will help you if you call and you say, I want to get certified with you. What can I do? They'll refer you to organizations that will help you with the paperwork. Some of them are pay to play. They'll, you got to pay them and they'll help you get certified. Other times they'll sit you down with, an, with a representative and it's not pay to play. You got, just got to take the time and figure out how to pull all your paperwork together. That is the biggest obstacle to doing business with the government is the paperwork. I'm a one person firm. So I do a lot of subcontracting. I've hired other writers, graphic designers, photographers, videographers. Um, I do a lot of subcontracting. And so my firm has to have the contract and then I can hire your firm and pay you under my contract. But I've had to take off like holiday vacations to do nothing but submit my paperwork to get certified. 
and to bid on RFPs. So I understand why people get discouraged. But once you're in, you're in. And once they start giving you a contract, they don't want to start having to do this process over again a whole lot. So once you're in, it's really worth it once you get in, your foot in the door. But that initial, that initial work, it, I'm not going to lie, it, it takes some time. It does. And, and it also, you know, once you get in there, you have to make sure you can do what you said you could do. Absolutely. It's different hats you have to put on to the paperwork. My 8A paperwork, you know, that paperwork is over 200 pages. And I remember when I got it a few years ago, people said, they let you in? I said, yeah, but it was my PTAC officer who really pushed me and said, you need to do this now because you may not qualify later and at least you'll be in. And I did that paperwork at least twice. Um, I might've done it two and a half times because if one thing isn't checked right on page, you know, 83 um, and you turn it in, you got to do it all over you gotta again. You got to kick it back out. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. They don't make it easy. But the beauty of it, I mean, like I said earlier, my, my roster of clients is fairly diversified. So a small nonprofit like the Spady Cultural Heritage Museum, which is a museum all about us, they pay me through grants. I submit an invoice for my work and then they pay me through, a, they get paid through a grant, they pay me through a grant. If the grant goes away, you know, if it's not renewed, then they have to find another way to pay me. But if I'm working for the city of West Palm Beach or Palm Beach County or the Solid Waste Authority, they give me a purchase order once I've finished all that paperwork. Then that's my guaranteed line item in their budget for the fiscal year. That money is there for me. And so then it's my job to spend that money. If I don't spend all that money or if I don't provide enough services through the end of the fiscal year, then the rest of the money goes away. But that's the beauty you know, we've discussed the ugly part of getting in, but once you're in, the beauty is the line item that purchase order, that's your money and it's not going to go away. It's for there for you. So it's definitely worth it. Um, at the Solid Waste Authority, the, even though that's not an entity that most people would think, oh yeah, I, I want to work for the people who haul away my trash. They have all the same services, needs, of every other entity. They need plumbers, they need painters, they need technicians, they need engineers, they need marketer, marketing people. And the woman, Colleen Robbs, um, you can find her on LinkedIn, she's over the Solid Waste Authority's Equal Opportunity Program, and I've done work for her. And her staff, she's got a very diverse staff. She's got two brothers, a sister, and a, and, and a white woman on her staff, and they're reaching out to everybody to do work with the Solid Waste Authority. So. The, the programs exist in every entity. It's just a matter of you have to apply to do the work to give them a chance to give you a contract. And so they're constantly marketing to do that, to bring more people into the fold like that. Let's talk about Palm Beach County and how, you know, once you do get the contract, I will say what I saw, and I've, and I've done this in, um, a few states because of our, you know, we've been able to move around a little bit. Sometimes the government um, will try to lowball and the lowest bid wins. So you're doing something and it's almost like bare bones and it's a dance of how, you know, you win the bid and what you bid on. Have you found, you know, you've done it for 20 years, you've proven yourself, but do you have any advice for folks who say, hey, don't just take any offer that you know the government gives you. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you're right. You know the government is is spending taxpayer money, so they have to be accountable for every penny that they, you know, put out into the, the community. They have to be able to report on it. Um, do relationships count? Yes. You know, you should go and show your face at these meetings, the virtual webinars. You should phone call, make phone calls, email, set up personal conversations so these people know who you are because you know, people go, oh, does the bid really count or do they just give it to their friends? They will, they will recognize your contract 
if they recognize if you if it's in there so you have to have your contract in the bunch to be considered it's just not enough to say oh i have a personal relationship with the city manager that's not going to get you the contract it might get you a, a harder look or the city manager might be looking for that contract or can put your name put your name in but if you don't have your paperwork lined up it doesn't matter who you are they can't give you a contract unless you're certified or unless you're able to do business with the, with the county to answer your question yes they're looking for the most affordable bid but in some cases the most affordable bid is it might be a high bid it might be it just might be an expensive job if you want me to do a county-wide campaign a marketing campaign I can't do that job well and cheaply. So I can guarantee you that all the bids on a job like that will be fairly high. And so, you know, will the lowest bid be a cheap bid? Not necessarily. The lowest bid still might be a fairly hefty contract if it's a big job. So, yes, cost does matter. But I've gotten government contracts, you know, to do marketing that was $25,000 supporting the solid, the South Florida water management district because they needed for me to do marketing regionally. I had to cover the whole Southeast region. I was reaching publications in Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, and Florida. There's no way to do that job cheaply. No way, no, no way. And you know, to, what the, what you have to do to say that you can even get all those, you know, things in order, um, then it's the hiring out and the contracting out. That is definitely an art and a skill. I, 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 I'm the wolf from Pulp Fiction. People call me, um, it seems like, hey, we have, you know, 48 hours <laughs> to do something. So-and-so won the bid but they can't do it. Can you do it? And, and I say in 48 hours, what's the amount of money that's left, right? How much have you guys burned? Um, it, it's a dance and, it, and it's a science. It's something that should be taught in college, uh, possibly high school, that I never got that class. I don't know if you did or you know someone you know who teaches that, how to go after these in college. I mean, you could go to the Harvard or the Harvard of the South, Grambling State University, I haven't seen it. I mean, tell me if I'm, you know. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not wrong. I have an unfair advantage in terms of understanding how government works. I, I'll let you know. My mother uh, was a senior budget analyst for Special Operations Command of the United States Armed Services. So that long title means my mom oversaw some budgets for let's say um, an operation or a program in Iraq. You're a general, you need a tank. You need munitions, you need support. You'd have to go to my mother in order for her to approve your budget in order for you to get what you need. So I grew up with a woman who on a daily basis dealt with government contracts. She was the administrator. She got into that career because my father was in the Air Force. He was Special Operations Air Force. So um, I have, like I said, I'm a military brat. I've been inside the government since birth. I was born on Andrews Air Force Base. So I, I have had an up-close view of how government financing and budgets work. So when I had a chance to bid on a government contract, all that, like, background noise of my mother and my dad talking, it all made sense. I, I understood how the program worked. But I also got a minor, I minored in business at the University of Florida. I got my major in journalism. And no, to answer your question, no. Nobody teaches you government procurement. Nobody teaches you, you know, the ins and outs of how to bid on government contracts. You either learn as part of a firm that gets a large part of their money from government contracting, or you just dive in. You just start asking a bunch of questions and filling out a bunch of forms and going to every workshop you can until you can figure it out. I mean, one guy I, I dated for a little while, he was, in, uh, he was an electrician. He was a journeyman and he was going to school to get his certification. And I, as soon as I learned that, I was like, well, you know, you need to talk to this person at the county. You need to talk to this person at the city because they're always looking for small subs 
and they're always looking for brown and black people so their numbers look good, okay? And his eyes kind of lit up and I'm, he's like, can you keep me abreast of that? I was like, sure. And then like a couple of weeks later, there was a bid coming out of the school district and they were looking for potential um, small business people who were in plumbing, electrician, you name it, but mostly electricians. And I told him, go to this workshop, even if you're not certified, even if you're not qualified, be in that room, talk to the people who are, tell them what you are doing, hand out your card, and then follow up. I guarantee you, somebody's going to call you because you're going to need a brown sub or a black sub on their job to make their numbers look good, or they're going to need at least a 10 or 20% subcontracting in a minority firm to, in order to get the contract. In order to get the contract, they've got to have that many percentage of subcontractors under their contract that have to be black, brown, female, or veteran. And he went and he, at first he told his partner that he was going and his partner then wanted to go for him. And I'm like, see, that's what you get for talking. <laughs> you just need to go. And then, you know, once you get enough subcontracting business under your belt and you build up your reputation, then you can start bidding as a prime. A prime contractor is like me. They get the work and then they sub it out. But like you said, nobody had ever told him how that system worked. And I was happy I was able to help him like that. And, and I'm going to, it's almost take like a pause and say, this is why y'all need to be careful on who you date. Because dating the right woman, you your business. I mean, the fact that, you know, he only came for a part of the lesson because you said dating. He didn't, you know, come and say, hey, I need you on my team. You make my world better. But that's all, that's, that can be a whole nother thing. I'm just putting it out there because on the social media streets, everybody is talking high value this. High, that's high value. You're helping somebody with their business where, you know, um, people sometimes just their mind is in other places and in the gutter, but you need beauty and brains folks. So there you go. So if you get a whole bunch of DMS from some thirsty men, <laughs> you, you, you blame me, but I'm saying hit her up because she just put him on. And that is, that is great with And I love subcontracting because it's not a lot of stress for me. Um, no matter what I'm doing, like if I want to go to Africa for a month I, and I have my team doing, I say, hey, do what you do. Priming is something that we um, haven't done a lot of, but I, I like the private business sector. So I, I don't, you know, I kind of play this dance with government. But can you talk about, you know, when you do sub, does Palm Beach County or the state of Florida have any way to grade the subs? That's been the thing I've been preaching about. Like the subs should have a grading system so you know who's doing the work and the government can pull one day these people up. Oh man, that, that would be great if they had a grading system. They do not, they do not. You, I know, nobody does. You kind of, kind of take your chances. Um, and that's where, you know, people wonder what the value of networking is. And I used to be one of those people. I mean, I'm all about the work, uh, just get the work done. But if you don't go out and meet people, they don't have an opportunity to get to know who you are, you know, and what kind of work you do. Somebody has to take a chance on you. And when you do a really good job, like I said, the first job I got, I called somebody I knew. It was a black man, Nat Harrington. He took a chance on me. Once I got in there, it was up to me to, you know, make it or break it. And I made it. And while I was in there, I talked to a lot of people. I was working within the school district. Come on now. I have some of those relationships to this day. The woman who I mentioned who now leads the Equal Business Opportunity Program at the Solid Waste Authority, I met her when she was working at the school district in the purchasing department. Now you, 20 years later, now she's a power player and she still knows who I am and she still likes me and she calls me to work for her. So that's the value of networking. You've, you've got to do your best even during this crazy pandemic stuff to stay in touch with people and let them know what you're doing. And I try and do that through LinkedIn. Um, 
periodically I'll post a success. I'll post something that I've done for a client that has yielded a good result. I don't post to preach like some people do. I don't post to share. Oh, I learned this little fact about, you know, X, Y, Z. I don't do that. I use my LinkedIn very strategically to let you know, Kalia Communications just did this for this client. Like most recently, I hired an African-American firm. They do videography services, KVL Media uh, by Kevin, run by Kevin Lawson. I met him at a networking function, realized he was one of the few brothers I had seen in Palm Beach County doing what he does. He already knew my client. So I called him and I said, I need an intro video done for my client for the state of black business. He set it up, and then when the mayor of West Palm Beach, who was also a black man, Keith James, heard that we were doing the video, he wanted his video done. So now Kevin is front of, in front of my client, and he's in front of the mayor. He's shaking hands. They're like, oh, nice to meet you, bruh. It's a little black man party there. And he did a good job. He did a great job. And now his work is going to be featured on the State of Black Business virtual event on August 31st. I put that on my LinkedIn page in celebration of Black Business Month. And Kevin said, please tag me because your following's bigger than mine. And that's how we showed three black men, four really, working together to make something really cool happen. And that one got, I think, over 873 views and a lot of clicks because that's what people want to see. Now, the people in my world who are not black, now they see a resource who is black and I tagged him so they can reach out to Kevin directly because now they know he does this work and he's been endorsed by me. So he, he understood how to play the game and I helped him play it. No, and, and that's important. I, I wish, and I mean, to me, you know, when you do have subs, at the end of the day, when, you know, you're sending out the final report, the, the government, the departments, all they have to do is read and say, okay, this person, sub, they're in our system, they're a real business, right? They're not just some fly by night, they're registered. And all we have to do is create a page where we can grade and, okay, they gave them an A, we give them an A in our system. And, and you know, there is- It, it would not, really help. It yeah. would really help knowing, just know who, which subs are good. But as it is, it's fairly word of mouth. If you got a bad sub, nobody talks about it. But if you, well, they do, but they don't talk about it publicly. They'll be like, oh, I'll, I, every once in a while, I'll get a phone call. Michelle, do you know anybody who's good at X, Y, Z? And that's when I'll make my recommendation. I don't bad mouth people, but if somebody asks me for a recommendation, I will give them somebody who I think is good. And that's how the subs get graded. It's just how many people refer you, refer you for business. And it's a very ad hoc way of grading subs. It's very inside baseball. So yeah. all, this, all the people out there who want to be subs, do the best job that you can. I know it sounds like real, you know, vague rhetoric, but do bring your A game every single time because you honestly don't know who's watching and everybody talks. Palm Beach County is a small county. We, <laughs> the people who are in charge of these programs, they know each other well. They know the, the primes and the subcontractors well. I've worked for four out of the five government entities in Palm Beach County, trust me. They know who I am. I got, I got actually uh, chastised by one of the leaders of one of the departments. She goes, you don't do a very good job of marketing yourself. You need to do a better job. And I, I, I just told her, I said, well, thank you for that information. But I didn't tell her. I'm a one-person operation. I manage as much as I can do well. When I start spreading myself too thin and my work product starts to suffer, that's my reputation. That's my grade. That's my grade because I've taken on too much work and now it's, it's not as good as it once was. And now my grade is falling from an A to a B. So I have to be real careful what I sign up for. Okay. And I can get that because with doing with writing, everybody says they can write until you say, here's the pen. And then you say, this is what you came up with. 
Okay. Um, you know, and I even, <laughs> I mean, that's just <laughs> the truth. Because it's so easy now to, um, you're too, um, you won't remember this, but there used to be this show called Voltron. And that's kind of how I see my team. We are Voltron. They all own their own, you know, companies and we team up. Why? Because I don't care when you take a break. I don't care when you take a vacation. I don't want to tell you when to come in. All I want is the work done and I don't take any excuse and I shouldn't have to babysit you. So, you know, I, I can get it because I'm kind of in that lane, even though people say, but no, you got this many people around you. These are people I've known over a decade who keep doing great work. And um, I don't advertise or market either. I've heard that before, but I don't have to because every day I'm telling somebody, no, nah, that's not really what I want to do. But I know someone who can help you out um, with that because I only want to do what I want to do in the consulting and PR firm, uh, you know, lane. Because people, exactly. hey, can, can you get me on Oprah tomorrow? No, nah, we don't do that. If you want a real strategy, uh, but we don't just, you want a one shot, you know, it, 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 if I go to my Cision account, which is where most publicists go and, you know, use software, real publicists at least, if I show you what an Oprah placement will cost you, you wouldn't pay it anyway. You couldn't afford it. You couldn't afford it. I know. And, so. you, and you, you juggle those, those kind of clients, especially on my private side, not so much my government side, because again, they're looking at their budget numbers hard. Private clients, uh, corporations, they'll say stuff like, you know, we want to be in Forbes. Uh, we want to be in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, we we want to be in the New York Times. And I'm like, that's going to cost you a lot of money for that one pitch. I have to do, I have to research who inside the Wall Street Journal would be most interested in what you're talking about. Then I have to go and look at what they've written in the past to make sure that you're not repeating something that they've already published. Because, you know, reporters get real mad when you say, I already wrote about that. You're not even reading what I wrote. They, uh, you don't want that. Um, you're pitching blind. You're pitching somebody who does not know you does not care about you. At the same time, they're being approached by people who they do know. They're gonna answer an email from somebody they do know before they answer your email. All of that is groundwork before I even write one thing. So you're, when you start pitching at a national level and they say it so easily, oh, I wanna be on the Wall Street Journal. That's depending on what you're trying to get in the Wall Street Journal or get somebody to pay attention to, that could cause you thousands of dollars and you might just get one line in one article and I can't tell you who read that one line in that one article but now you're in the Wall Street Journal you know so was it worth it so that's one of the things that I do try and talk my clients through is that the best return on investment for your money or would you be better served with a really targeted social media campaign which pinpoints the people who you know are interested in your product or service or story? Was that money better served over there? Or do you just want the glamour of saying, I was in the Wall Street Journal? It, and if that's, if that's your priority, I'm not going to argue with you about it, but I am going to try and educate you before you write that check and then turn around and ask me, well, Michelle, it did, my phone didn't ring. I was in the Wall Street Journal. How come my phone's not ringing? That's why consulting is crucial. And, and we're going to, she's given up some real game. So I'm going to give some up to where those clients who do want to just be in that Forbes, I did a, um, a for some Forbes placements before, but that you can buy a journalist and that you have journalists now who, Hey, some of them are legit. And some of them are, hey, for a little amount of money, you can buy a backlink or an inbound link and you can get on there. So you're on there, but nobody will ever see it unless you share it. Therefore, you're not getting Forbes or whoever's audience. You're getting your audience to say, hey, look at me. I'm an Instagram guy or girl. And it's like, this is a total waste of your money. But if that's what you want me to do, because I've had clients, that's all I care about. My dad cares about that. But I have Forbes journalists who we have a relationship because of 
what my dad did. They went to school together at the same time. They didn't know each other, but I can talk to them about whatever and then say, hey, aren't you South African? Sabona, oh, you grew up in Malawi, Mulibonji. And, and you know, you have to be able to have something in common with that journalist and probably meet them at four or five different conferences sometimes. So they keep, you know, getting to, to know you. We used to send gifts. We don't do that now that the IRS. Yeah, don't do that now. You can't do that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't send gifts to journalists. Don't, don't offer them any, any, any money or food or anything like that. But I used to be, I started my career as a journalist back in the day. I mean, uh, really back in the day. Like if I tell you that I've had my business for 20 years and uh, I started in the newsroom in 1990. Okay, back when newspapers and media still were legit, trustworthy, there weren't any like hashtag fake news being thrown around, like we really were the voice of the community. And I, from that, I learned how the inside of a newsroom actually works, how editorial decisions are made, um, when, when advertising does and does not influence journalism, true journalism. To your point, people can pay for journalism. You can pay for a sponsored ad. You can pay for an advertorial. You can purchase any kind of ad space and then run a legit article in that space. If you just determined to be in a particular publication, there are several ways to, to skin a cat. But what I go back to is true journalism, like a, an, an authentic piece of writing that includes your voice as an authority. That means building relationships. It means reaching out to that reporter going, I have somebody who I think you might be interested in talking to because you covered these topics and this is why he or she is an expert in this area. So you actually have to start laying groundwork for your client far in advance of them ever getting included or interviewed or published if you're going to do it really the legitimate way. There are other, like you said, other ways that are less legitimate and therefore I can't vouch for their effectiveness, but I can do it if that's what you want and if that's what you're willing to pay for. Um, but then that goes back to me, like I said, 20 years of doing this, I pick really carefully who I decide to go forth with. If I don't think you have a story, I'm going to say, I really don't think that's going to move forward. Um, other people, other PR firms, marketing firms, they'll say, hey, you will take your money and we'll, we'll do the best we can with it. So I, I've, I've turned down quite a few clients over the years and I have the hardest time with Doctors, lawyers, and wealth advisors. For me, they're the, I don't get excited about that information, but so I have a hard time pitching it. And I used to be a business reporter for the Palm Beach Post, so I understand, you know, wealth advising, businesses. I just, I just don't get excited about it. I get excited about a new exhibit or a program that benefits brown children. Or, you know, something that helps a young man go to school or, or advance himself. Now, I'll pitch the, the heck out of that story. And I'll try and make sure as many people know about it as possible. See how I get excited about that kind of news, which is how I ended up, you know, working primarily with nonprofits. You have to pick a PR person or a marketing person that has a passion for what you're talking about. That's really important. Well, I will say this, because they say, you know, you have not because you ask not straight out of the scriptures, folks. Um, but if you do have an issue with any of those, send them my way. I, I, I love all of those people. And my favorite client is actually my favorite person. And so she's a doctor. Her brother-in-law, who's visiting us over here, is a lawyer. And I always wanted to um, go to law school. Almost, almost, almost did. Maybe, maybe. I'd have to take a pay cut, <laughs> right, 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 like, like in time and everything. And, and I'm like, man, do I really need that? But, um, but yeah, I, I like um, the doctors just because it always helps me when I'm pitching my wife for something or if I'm, um, you know, I have some other, another doctor client as well. I like them because they think they're special and you have to be able to bring them down to earth and say, I know the MCAT was hard. And I know that, you know, the doing boards and taking the L, uh, LSAT and, you know, doing the bar, all that was hard, but nobody cares but you. 
we're going to make them care. Because sometimes their egos, God complex, especially physicians, you just have to be brought down. And I know right now they'll be like, say that when you're in the hospital. <laughs> say that, you know. <laughs> say, yeah, say that when you need me. <laughs> yeah. But you're, but you're making my point. If you, have a, if you have a real interest in what they're talking about, you're mm -hmm. going to do a much better job trying to sell their story. Number one, you understand it. You're passionate about it. You can drum up energy for it. I only learned through trial and error what I liked and what I didn't like. I can speak for myself because I have worked for doctors. I have worked for attorneys. I have worked for wealth advisors. I can advise them, but what they do, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. But you, you, like right now, let's see, I, one of my biggest clients is Broward School's uh, mental health team. They hired me to um, elevate their voice following the um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. There was a lot of emphasis given to mental health because uh, of course the shooter mentally ill, that's the, that's the this line that he's giving. So that the mental health team is now on the hotspot for making sure that incidences like this don't happen again. Are we reaching all the students who have issues, who are under stress, who, who may need our help, who may need intervention before they pick up a gun and decide to take out their frustrations on their classmates and teachers. So now the mental health team needs communication support in a way that they've never needed it before. And through relationships, I got approached just to give advice to the head of the team. I got a call from a friend. Can you please, you know, would you mind talking to the head of the mental health team and give her some pointers on her communications. I was like, sure. That one conversation led to another conversation, led to me being at the table um, with some of the leaders and then them looking at me going, would you, you know, are you interested in helping us with this directive? Yes, I am. Now I'm in a position to be able to help students and teachers and school staff get out a message of mental health. And my team has been working on that now for six months Hopefully we get re-upped for another six months. I love that kind of work. I love it. I got one of the mental health teachers and social workers on WLRN NPR last week talking about a new program they have to be more rapid response if a child's in trouble. So, and she got celebrated for that internally, for that interview. She did a great job, but that's the kind of work that makes me get excited. That's why I'm like, ooh. That's, yeah, and so now you, you're getting the best of me. Now you're getting 110% of my effort to get your story out. And I, I, for undergrad and grad school, and even after, I did some, um, from drug counseling to mental health, from the Phoenix Academy to the Methodist Children's Home in various states. I love that work, that work. Pitching it, um, not so much, because I think the real work is kind of internal in that you have these programs, whether you're dealing, doesn't matter the, 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 the population, black, brown, rich or poor, because rich people, they go shoot somebody and then say they're mentally ill, go into a facility so a psychologist can say, oh, they're mentally ill and they get you know a softer sentence. Black boy do the same thing. He was poor, he was a gang member. He was, you know, it was ingrained in him. But what I would do, and I always would get in trouble for being a radical, a maverick and all that, is say, you know that these kids have issues and I've even gone and taken kids into real jails or prisons. And I've also, um, you know, brought the prisoners to the facilities to say, you don't want to go there again, but it's always a fight when you're that mental health worker. And if you don't come from any type of challenges and you just have lived in suburbia your whole life and you're dealing with these kids, whether they're black, brown, rich or poor in their mind, the music or the movies have made them think they are some type of villain. And that at the end of the day, they can put restart like this is Grand Theft Auto. You need some folks from a community to come be a little rougher than what a counselor can typically do. Again, I would get in trouble. I've been fired for many jobs. Don't make a great employee because I have ideas, but my clients love me because I'm effective. But it's that mental health. It's like, 
How do we get a 13-year-old off heroin? Well, we surely can't put him in this facility and lock him up and think once he goes out, he's going to be all right. We got to give him something while he's here that he's interested in. And it's not that complex, but the powers that be take, you know, seven years or 17 to fix anything to try something new. So I, I bless you for doing that work because it's not easy in your position. It's not easy. It's not easy. But for me, it's fulfilling to be mm-hmm. able to be the mouthpiece for the people like, like yourself, like the, the people who are in the trenches, who are dealing with these, these children on an individual basis. I mean, mental health is a very close game. One size does not fit all at all. So when you look at the size of the school district and how many people that these, this small team has to reach, I'm in awe of them. So if, if, all, if I can do my part and throw a spotlight on what they're doing, give them a megaphone so they can broadcast it out and reach more people, at the very least, share what they're doing so they don't get chastised for not doing enough, which is where I found them. This group of you know, dedicated social workers were feeling very you know, disenfranchised because they were doing the best they could and they had this tragedy happen and now they're being held accountable for the actions of this one person. And now they need help. So basically saying we are doing our job and that's all I'm doing. But the, the level of, the level of uh, skill and professionalism it takes to be uh, a communications person for the mental health team of Broward Schools, I feel honored that they chose me. But I'm working every day to figure out how to say this properly, how to not make the problem worse, how to put them in the best light, how to share this message with the right people. When we hit it, when we get, when all those stars align and we have a successful campaign, we are so happy. And then we have to pick it up and do it all over again. So that's what drives me. I really like my work. And that's just one client. I have about 10 right now. So each of them presents a different kind of challenge to me that makes me think, you know, it, it keeps me on my toes. That's awesome. I like to ask every guest, you know, with all the success that you've had, what is your community give back that you're doing? And you just mentioned, you know, some um, that you're doing, or maybe there's something in the future that you want to do. Right now, and I don't broadcast it because it's it's not profitable, (laughs) but (laughs) when my friends come to me and they have an idea, and most of the time my friends are, you know, of the culture, I will do something for them for free. Um, We call it the friends and family pass. So uh, most recently, I think it was last week, a friend of mine, uh, a guy, I don't want to send the wrong message on this, on this, on this platform, but dated him for a little while. And then we just became friends. Uh, don't get, don't take that the wrong way. Uh, I've been divorced for eight years, so I I date now. But we became just friends and he launched a nonprofit in his mother's honor. And he knew what I did just because we talked. And when he was ready to launch his nonprofit, he texted me and said, can you help me get the word out? Can you connect me with some people who might be able to help me skip, you know, skip some mistakes? He was willing to put the work in. He just didn't want to make rookie mistakes. I understood that perfectly. I introduced him to a couple of my clients. He paid for their lunch. He picked their brains for two hours about what to do, set up budget, grant writing, staff. I mean, they gave him so much information. And then they opened the door and said, if you need to come by the museum and see how we do certain reporting, he took them up on the offer. And then he asked me to draft his first press release and get it out. And I, I, I got it, it got published with the, uh, South, with the South Florida Caribbean News Network. And then I took that published piece and put it on my LinkedIn and blasted out a little bit more. And then some of the, you know, the non-melaninated side of my network took notice of what he was doing. But more importantly, there were some very key Jamaican people in my network who noticed that his nonprofit was benefiting the country of Jamaica. 
And then they started clicking like, and I tagged them. So that was the, that's the kind of give back that I do. I do that periodically. Um, like I said, friends and family who need a helping hand, know they don't know how to write um, from all walks of life. You know, the head of HR for UPS, she was launching a black woman inspirational networking thing. And she had me edit her book. She had a short book that she wanted to give out. And she's like, can you take a look at this? That's the stuff that I do. I don't really tell a whole lot of people about, but that's how I give back is they know, you know, if I believe in what you're doing and I like you, I, I will help you. I will help you. And my ex-husband's an editor. If somebody needs help with editing, I'll reach out to him and say, hey, can you do this? I mean, he went to FAMU, grew up in Jersey. He's always down for the cause. So if I can slip something to him and say, can you take a look at this, make it better? He'll make it better. No, that, that, no that's awesome. And for all of those who might have heard something wrong of, this is the friends and family, not the <laughs> hit me up right now for some free labor. Um, can you tell people at what starting point they need to be to have some of your services. I know you do so many different things like myself, but just so people don't start calling you and say, hey, I got $100, um, what, what, what can I get? Can I get the full month? Um, let, let's you know block some of that because people will hear that and what you said and what people hear sometimes can be totally different. So where do people kind of need to start with a healthy retaining budget for the month? Ah, that depends. A range. Give a range. A range. A range. I understand. Okay, the criteria of working with me, Kalia Communications, Michelle Brown, is that you must be a real entity. I don't, as a rule, work with people one-on-one. It's too unreliable. You know, your, your money is up in the air, and you might decide one day you don't like me. I've had that happen. And I had to chase down individuals for my money. So uh, I work only with entities, corporations. You have to be incorporated. You have to, you know, be part of a city structure or a a government structure, but be part of a a real thing, a real company. That's number one. Number two, um, the budget range, the retainer range for me starts at 2000 a month. I know that sounds high. But I've been doing this for a long time. He's shaking his head. No, it doesn't. That doesn't sound. That doesn't sound high. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. It depends on where you're at. Two thousand dollars a month is my normal retainer for like a nonprofit structure. Nonprofit meaning we need somebody to make sure that our presence in the media is consistent. We need to make sure that our social media presence is consistent. When I say consistent, people like to launch things and then drop them. They, they think the best thing in the world is an e-letter until they realize they got to do that e-letter every month. And then all of it, by the third month, they're tired of doing it. You go to a website, the last post was 2017. And then they wonder why nobody's calling because you're not current. Um, all of that, I take over. And I work with my client to produce content on a consistent basis. When you have content that I think is going to have legs with the media, I'll pitch that to the media, coordinating interviews, coordinating coverage, making sure you get that coverage, making sure that you're prepped and ready to do that interview. That's everything that I do. I just finished writing two opinion op-eds for newspapers. I'm a ghostwriter, you know? So we want a thought leadership piece on how to retain racial equity among business enterprises. I've written three of those in the last two months. So. That kind of work, we start, I start at about 2000 a month because I'm, now I'm your communications manager and it's my job to stay on top of that. It's not me calling you going, hey, what do you want to talk about this month? It's me calling you going, these are the five things that I've been noticing in your industry that I think you should have a voice on. We can do a press release on this. You have this program coming up in six months on this. We can probably get a profile done on this person. We need to pitch out this. It's my job to bring the ideas to your table and you bring your ideas to my table. We collaborate and then I move forward and execute. All of that is a full-time job. It is. And that's why I said, you know, she's giving you guys a deal, a steal, because you're making, you know, if working the whole month, 1250 
um, an hour and I can hear somebody, I hear the haters sometimes, I can hear a hater say, but Kelly, you finish work faster than most people could finish it. I bet she does too. That's none of your business, how quick it takes us to finish. The fact of the matter is if you went out and hired anybody else, that's what you'd have to pay them an hour. And so if you do do that price, cause I do stuff, you like to hook people up and you love the work sometimes, you know, as much are more than you like the profit because it, it, it's your purpose, right? But mm -hmm. if you do that, they then cannot be nitpicky and start saying, hey, I love what you did, but could you make it lavender instead of turquoise? And it's like, what difference does it make? And why did you say that in the beginning if you're set tripping on blue and red mixed with, you know, ah, it, it just frustrates me. <laughs> you know, it frustrates me because I didn't know people, some look like us, some don't, who will have a price that gets paid that's just out of this world a month. And you're like, what's the difference between what I do and they do? And sometimes you'll do better work than they do. Oh, that happens quite a bit. I mean, one of the leading PR agencies uh, that is you know, in Palm Beach County, their average retainer is anywhere between 7,500 to 10,000 a month. Mm. And they get, they get jobs and they, the, their reputation is, is not stellar. Mm -hmm. And that particular firm has reached out to me to do some sub work for them, but they easily command, you know, a $10,000 a month retainer because of all the overhead that they support and because of, of who they are and who they know is the work worth $10,000 a month? I, I couldn't really tell you, but they can get away with, with charging that amount. Since I work, like you said, primarily in the nonprofit realm because I love nonprofits and the work that they do, my retainer is a little bit lower. And, but you know, I'm not there every day. I've lost some clients uh, who have said, we want you on site every day to learn what we do so you're better able to communicate our message. In that case, you really want to hire an employee. You do not want a consultant. You want somebody who's going to be on site every day. Uh, I've had clients complain that they don't see me enough. And I've had to check them and say, the more you see me, the less I'm doing for you. I do my best work at home on my laptop, normally in my pajamas. You know, I really don't need to be seen in order to get the work done. So I've had to educate some clients. It's like, okay, you, now you're paying extra just to look at my face. And if that's, the, if that's what you want, hire an employee. You don't want a consultant. I'm a hired gun. I'm paid really not to be there, but just to produce. And since I've been doing this for so long, I can be really picky about who I do work with. I turn down and refer out a lot of work. I get an email, I get referred, I look at it, I'm like, I don't want to do that, and I'll push it off to somebody else. Hey, girl, this is up for a bid. Do you want to go for it? And they're like, you don't want to do it? I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got enough to do already. So when new people approach me, um, I'm, I'm real stringent because I don't like to spread myself too thin. You know, if I wanted to do that, I'd have a full-time job. And at this stage in, in my career, being my age and what I've done so far, if you were to hire me, I'd be at the director or vice president level of a corporation. If, I, if the last job I interviewed for was a director level, which paid six figures. So that's where I'm at. And you guys, you threw them off when you said your age, because yes, 35, she'd be at the director level, black, don't crack. So you, you have no idea how old she is. That's a, I, I love how you put that. Have you read uh, the four hour work week? No, no, I haven't. What's I'm, it? I'm going to send it to you because okay. that's something you can give a client. Um, and basically Tim Ferriss wrote a book uh, many moons ago showing how, and, and I, I adopted this, uh, this philosophy, and then I found this book, and I'm like, why didn't I find this back in the gap when he wrote it? But he basically shows people, hey, tell your boss you want Fridays off, 
from being in the office. You just want to work from home. And if you're more productive, then tell your boss you want to try Thursday and Friday till you're just working remotely because, you know, now with COVID, everyone has to work remotely. But I'm like you. Have you ever read anything by Alan Weiss? No. Is that about work product too? He's the king consultant. There's not... He, no one's read more or written more books than Alan Weiss. And he's been a foreign, he's been a guest on here. I'm going to send you um, some, some info and I'm going to take this conversation offline. Cause I feel like you guys are going to get a game overload and you're going to have to rewind this <laughs> and say, hold on. What did she say at minute eight minutes and 53 seconds? And we can do this again and again. Um, we can both be, um, you know, at home, relaxed, comfortable, or when things do open up and it's safe, um, you know, we can do this in person and, and really, you know, show folks a different side. So I want to thank you for coming on. We're going to take this off. Like, share, subscribe, people. But I got to be a little greedy. All right. <laughs> peace. <laughs> okay. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.